Hi everyone, welcome back to another exciting episode of the Panenka View. We are here recording the reviews of the big games that happened at the weekend. But before we get into today's episode, we would like to pay our tribute to one of the greatest owners in footballing history. A Thai billionaire, more than a human being, one of the nicest human beings whom we lost, whom the footballing community lost this weekend in a helicopter crash. Mr. Vichai Srivardhan Prabha. More than an owner, more than a club owner who not only brought out Leicester from the obscurities of the championship, but he led them to an extraordinary title win in 2016. And knowing where Leicester were six to eight years back, it's one of the greatest achievements since the Premier League began. Apart from the top five who've won the Premier League, Leicester City became only another club to win a title and win the title from the hands of Arsenal, Tottenham, Man City, Man United and Liverpool. The incident was incident was very unfortunate. Leicester were playing West Ham. He was there for the game like he has always been for many games and after the game you could hear a crash, a voice of a crash and that was the helicopter crashing as we were in the analysis of the game and that the the news was later revealed on the channels on sunday and slowly on monday as there was a sunrise in the uk they slowly brought out the news with a club statement so about mr vichai shrivardhana prabha he was more than just a club owner i mean club owners invest in clubs for financial returns but he was more than an owner he did things beyond the pitch which not many do he invested in the football stadiums he invested in the players he invested in the facilities and not only the facilities he also donated a lot of money to the hospitals to the communities of leicester he considered them his own family and that was mr vichai shrivardhan prabha every leicester player you saw there was mourning was sad because they knew what they had lost what they had lost and that was such a sad news this weekend so everyone from the panenka view from the footballing community would like to offer our sincerest prayers our sincerest thoughts with the owners family and not just with the owners families with all the families who lost their dear ones the four others including the pilot and now we move on to the episode of the panenka view where we review the big one the el clasico before we go into the game the hot shot trending topic from today morning is the sacking the inevitable sacking of Julian Lopetegui and Julian Lopetegui's sacking was seen coming by most of us and the El Clasico was just the final the El Clasico defeat was just a final nail in the coffin and join with me my good friend Supratim talk me through this Julian Lopetegui situation hey everyone uh use the perfect word inevitable because once they lost to sevilla there was this sword hanging over his neck that whether will he get sacked or not and if you want to go as far as when he joined real madrid there was this opinion that maybe julian lopetegui won't even last for 6 months well he didn't last for 6 months he lasted shorter than that and real madrid looked disjointed real madrid lacked confidence and it was a surprise because real madrid have eight representatives in the golden ball eight of the players have been nominated and that and again in the el clasico 
it didn't look like a real madrid performance it looked like a team who were gasping for points like they were in a relegation battle or something absolutely disjointed had no clue what to do who to mark also also we have to give credit to barcelona for the way they played and it was coming the sacking was coming and now real madrid have appointed a new manager for for about 2 weeks till they hire a permanent one and we'll see how real madrid goes from here Yeah, so on the ma- appointment of the new manager, it's the the one from Real Madrid, Castilla. It's uh, Santiago Solari. So that's the interim coach who takes over Real Madrid for some time before they hire a permanent one. And that's an in-house solution, like Perez did last time around when he sacked Benitez, and he appointed Zidane. So, yeah, that's that's more of the appointment. And to be very honest with you. Julian Lopetegui's sacking was more inevitable. It was coming. You could see that coming. Five run, five games without a win, and then just crapping a win against Victoria Pleasant, and then humiliation in the El Clasico. I mean, there's nothing you can do after that. That was like the final nail in the coffin. So on to the game now, and on to the formations. Both clubs used a four-four-three-three, and like we discussed in the preview. Like where I told you about the Real Madrid lineup backline, I had pointed out the starting of Lucas Vasquez that Lucas Vasquez should start at right back, but Lopetegui went with Nacho. I think he linked it with the sp- Spanish national team. I think Nacho was a uh, r- starter there, and Lopetegui used Nacho as right back. So I think that's where the game was won and lost in the first half because Barcelona thoroughly exploited that side. with balls over the top through balls and Nacho was left exposed and as you could see the both the full backs were committed and that's leaves a lot of space for Jordi Alba Rakitic Arthur to exploit and that's how they carved them apart throughout the game if you look at the opening 10 minutes of the second half it was Barcelona through and through with their through thorough passing and their incisive balls and that poacher of a man luis suarez what a guy what a player to give them to score a hat trick only the second man after lionel messi to score a hat trick in an el clasico and mind you they didn't have lionel messi otherwise the scoreline would have looked even more worse so how we do it is a question like we st- started with the formation and the barcelona uh, back four consisted of Lenglet, PK, Jordi Alba, and Rafinha at right back. We were discussing about Samedo, who came on later. So talk me through the formation. Talk me through the opening minutes. Talk me through the first half of this El Clasico. Yeah, Barcelona started in a very dominating fashion. What they did was they put Rafinha in midfield, which allowed, which uh, which put pressure on players like Isco, Modric, and Cruz to press Barcelona's midfield and also brought Bale into the midfield. which left a lot of space for Nacho to cover and there were two v one situations with Jordi Alba and Coutinho doubling up on him and Jordi Alba was overlapping the pitch up and down and then the first goal resulted in uh, Jordi Alba putting putting in a square pass to Coutinho who, for whom it was a simple tap in so Barcelona did a lot of that in the opening stages they even then Suarez scored a penalty in the 30th minute It's, it was in the half time when things changed a bit for Real Madrid. They got the goal back from Marcelo. Modric hit the post. There was a very, I would say, an easy header for Prime Benzema. Two years ago, maybe he would have scored that, but now he looks a man 
a shadow of the man or the player that he was lacking confidence and he skied the header over the bar it was a very good cross from vasquez and then what happened was valverde made that crucial change when he brought when he took off rafinha for semedo and then he took off coutinho for dembele and he brought a lot of pace and a, a lot of width into the wings and sergio roberto was relishing that position up 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 front in, in real madrid's half in the field and the, once those changes were made barcelona just kill off the game suarez scoring a beautiful header it was it didn't look like a header when you look at when you look at the goal the first time on live action but man that was a beautiful goal 16 to 18 yeah 18 yards out and then barcelona just went rampant real madrid knew that at 3 when the game was finished the heads were down and then bas luso has scored a hat trick and for the vidal goal it was just bad bad defending they just didn't pick vidal's run inside the box i mean he just went through casimiro and cruz uh, and even the defense they didn't know that vidal was coming inside that really summed up how real madrid performed on the night and yeah it has been a humiliating defeat for real madrid exactly and that the key mo- the key points that you made there with the was the benzema header in his prime he scores that but he doesn't and that puts more pressure on real madrid i mean you have to take those chances in big games and then the tactical change from uh, valverde where he takes off rafinha and brings in samedo that allows sergio roberto to drift ahead and mind you people sergio roberto was the guy who created the most chances in the el clasico so that guy was running the entire right wing from the right back position and when he was promoted ahead he just caused havoc in the defense i mean real madrid had no answers they look stretched they look clueless they look down and luis suarez is a guy who's always stepped up in big games and this was the game where in the absence of messi all eyes were on him and that that header was a peach of a goal that was only only few people can do that and one of them is luis suarez sergi roberto's pass but before sergi roberto's pass dembele stretching the defense with his instant impact and sergi roberto's ball was such where previously luis suarez had hit the post and this time he just found the back of the net corto had no answer and after that as you rightly mentioned at 3-1 real madrid looked down they looked out they had no answer even though asensio was on for bail and mariano diaz was on it was matter of moments because before the scoreline looked more humiliating and suarez's third goal the hat-trick goal is just that terstegen's long ball over the top ramos failing to clear it deal with the ball sergi roberto releases luis suarez who makes no mistake with a cheeky chip over cortoa and what a game for cortoa it's been he shipped five goals and to point out an exciting uh, stat in the el clasico all the six goals were scored by south americans i mean you you had three from suarez you had one from coutinho and you had one from vidal <laughs> that's like uruguay um brazil and chile and the goal for uh, real madrid came from marcelo like we pointed out correctly in the preview that marcelo has been popping up with the goals and it was marcelo again who came inside and latched on to that ball from lucas vasquez and isco who made the play so all in all a humiliating defeat for real madrid that leaves them ninth in the table 14 points out of a possible 30 is a shambolic start they are like closer to the relegation zone than they are to the top and they are 7 points off from barcelona who 
seem to be rampant even without Lionel Messi. That's the options they have for for uh, taking, and Valverde is just using them well. So that seems to be the difference between the two managers. I mean, Barcelona are completely on a roll after this five-one win, and I can tell you from my past experiences that once you win the El Clasico, you grow more in confidence and you. grow more through as the season goes because that's like the bragging rights of spain that's like the bragging rights of la liga and once you win that you are on a completely different level no matter who you play how you play and that's been the point for barcelona versus real madrid so real madrid as we rightly mentioned had a chance in the 68th minute where benzema could have scored that but he didn't and then it was just a barcelona train running through them like they've been all through also to mention lopetegi committing more players forward i mean why do you do that against a side that has the philosophy you don't have anyone behind who could stay there and cut off the attacks and seeing the barcelona players you cannot commit so many men forward one ball through and that will slice your entire defense off and that's what happened in the el clasico i mean they were clueless they were their, their heads were down and that's that from the el clasico barcelona 5 real madrid 1 to give a quick quick round up again real madrid are ninth with 14 points barcelona are top 7 21 points they are rampant suarez is in good form messi is still out but arthur has been a revelation sergi roberto has been a very very good player for them dembele seems to be coming off the bench and doing his magic samedo is still the guy who can improve I think, and you have Rakitic and Busquets who are so underrated and so good that you have a treat to your eyes. So many good players, so many good decisions from the manager, and a five-one victory to Barcelona. So that's all from the El Clasico we have, and now we move on to the big game in the Premier League: Tottenham versus Manchester City. But before we go into the game, as many of us saw. Tottenham are still dealing with the stadium woes. They can't move to their stadium. Haha. <laughs> and to top it off, that was a very shameful incident there. The NFL logo at the center of the pitch is absolutely shaming the Premier League. And Supratim, talk me through the pitch conditions, the stadium, anything with the woes that that we saw last night. Yeah, it seemed as if the cows grazed the field or the lawn was run all over it. I mean, what the hell was that? That was an absolute disgrace, to be honest. The even the quality of the game didn't live up to the didn't live up to the hype that was expected. The stadiums were half empty, and as an Arsenal fan, it gives me sadistic pleasure that Tottenham are going through this. But as a neutral. I expect a lot more out of Manchester City and Tottenham because this is basically a six-pointer in the top six table, the so-called top six, and of of course, it has a direct impact on the title race. So I expected a good quality game, but like many other viewers, like many other fans, didn't get that, and that left me really, really disappointed. Yeah, and you know, to to now get to the big the game, like they started with Musa Sissoko, and. There was Lucas Moura on the left with Lamela at number ten and Kane at the striking position. So basically, that means they're without Eriksen, they're without Ali, and Dyer started in place of Wings. I think Wings has been good for them, but I think it's been Dyer that's been starting. So City 
clearly won the battles ahead sterling won the battle with trippier and that led to the opening goal i mean edison's long ball over the top failed to clear trippier failed to clear that and then sterling just latched on to it made a stride and then cut it back to riyad mahrez who made no mistake slotting home the first goal giving paying tribute to the leicester owner he's he's like a father figure to him and rightly so that was that was classy on mahrez's part so on to the game again the city are leading city are dominating sterling's making a mockery of the spurs defense but then suddenly spurs start exploiting the left side of uh, city's uh, defense and that's mendy and mendy made a clear error there clear error which allowed sissoko to pounce and then spurs were seeing with most of the possession but i think it was the final third that was lacking in the game with all f- these attacks all these uh, passing there was only one goal to show for and at the half time it was 1-0 in favor of city so spurs were still in the game at half time if you see because aguero was misfiring david silva on their day they must score those goals for not scoring so spurs were still in the game and then the tactical switch from pochettino where he takes off dyer and brings in wings brings in fresh legs what i felt personally here was that he could have introduced eriksen ali a bit more earlier like uh, 75 78 and 81 is just very little time for them to weave their magic and once you could see daily ali was in he was just clearing the man city midfield the defense and he was threading balls to lamela who was wasteful and that big chance came in the 81st minute so talk me through what happened in the final 15 minutes the crucial most crucial part of the game uh, before we discuss that we have to go to the first half where we have to understand what autumn was, tra- was trying to do basically lamela played off kane lucas moura played on the left and sisoko played on the right and as pep rightly mentioned autumn were very physical in their approach against city and pep also mentioned that this is the most physical game that manchester city has played in all competitions uh, kane has been coming too deep for my liking to hold up and link up with Lamela and obviously the plan with Lucas Moura was to make him run behind the defense to exploit the space that the city defenders leave behind them and Sissoko was obviously put against Mendy to win the physical battle and to make and to help Trippier overlap into the spaces that Mendy leaves uh but what also happened was that Tottenham couldn't keep possession in the wings that which Eriksen does beautifully and Dele Alli's role is obviously of a ram dirter where very exploit space gets in the positions which will which will you know in turn put Harry Kane into positions where he can score or whether even Dele Alli can can score and i guess the reason behind making both of them so late was that because of the injury problems maybe they were not fully fit to play the last 30 minutes so uh Pochettino thought that maybe it was wiser to bring them in the last 15 minutes and you could see that city also got tired with their early press and the defense on the day wasn't as good as they they have been throughout the season in spite of that they kept a clean sheet and in the end obviously lamela had that big chance where he could have equalized and made it 1-1 but he shot it over the bar into the into the side row obviously i think the ball landed in the new stadium <laughs> who knows that and you know city spurs had a very good chance to equalize to put the pressure on arsenal as they always do uh, arsenal drop points earlier at crystal palace but they couldn't and that's the third loss in the season and things don't look quite good for Tottenham they are obviously very very behind Inter Milan and Barcelona in the Champions League five points behind this is the best start of the Premier League this season and they don't have a stadium 
they are out of the top for for now but it's early stages so we can't infer a lot from that but things are looking very not i wouldn't say weak but there's a bit of confusion in the air even pochettino pre match said that he doesn't have the players to challenge for trophies to challenge for titles which is evident because tottenham didn't sign anyone in the summer because of their stadium issues and yeah it also kind of put into light that arsenal stadium job was so magnificent that there was no such problems they just seamlessly transfer transition from highbury to the emirates and tottenham could have learned from that but unfortunately they haven't and the season is in really in grave danger of being in complete tatters talking about the the very key point you made about the stadium the transition like the debts have crept up over half a billion pounds of debt and they don't know when they play at their new home it's probably not going to happen until the next year is what we hear from the reports and tottenham have to figure a way out because you cannot go in week in week out like this when your ex you are in the end left chasing your rivals it's better to be ahead than to be chasing them because once you're chasing you have pressure on yourself it's rather better to put pressure on the opponents which they do and i think they only put pressure on the opponents that's it and talking about a few interesting stats manchester city have kept six clean sheets in a row i mean this was the sixth clean sheet in a row they last conceded a goal on september the 2nd against newcastle where yedlin popped up from nowhere and scored that goal and to give you another interesting stat out, out of the 10 games city have played they have just conceded in 3 and they've conceded 3 goals and all the goals have come from defenders i mean if you look at huddersfield it was stankovic who scored it against wolves it was bolly who gave them the who gave wolves the lead before lapot equalized and you against newcastle it was yedlin popping out of nowhere on the counter so all three score goals scored by defenders and that's 10 games three conceded 27 of them scored so that's a goal difference of 24 which is keeping them ahead of liverpool i mean last year pep's team was 5 points clear at the top after 10 games this season they are there only because of the goal difference liverpool and chelsea still unbeaten so that's that from city versus uh, spurs a 1-0 win to city city go top of the table with 26 points tied with liverpool whereas tottenham hotspur stay fifth with 21 points which means that arsenal have a one point advantage over them at this point which brings me to the 10 games unbeaten streak of the top 3 premier si- league sides and that's happened only for the second time in the english top flight division it's happened for the first time in the premier league since the premier league began it's close it's very much competitive and all the eyes on these three clubs city pool and chelsea i mean they have been amongst everything they if you look at chelsea they have done drawn 3 if you look at Le- city and pool they have drawn 2 and liverpool's draws are against chelsea and city whereas man city's draws are against wolves and man uh, liverpool whereas if you look at chelsea they have drop points against west ham away they have uh drop points against pool obviously that was a 1-1 draw at stamford bridge and again that barkley equalizer in the 96th minute is where they have drop points and this looks like a thrilling season three teams going at it with the squad depths I mean Pool and City have such a big squad good squad depth 
to compete in all four uh, competitions and how do you make of the premier league season so far i think this premier league season has the makings of being the most competitive premier league season since the 11 12 season where manchester united and manchester city went head to head till the till the final day to win the title and after that uh, premier league hasn't produced a season like that even in 12 13 in manchester united were dominant from start to end manchester city faltered in between 13 14 it was a bit competitive but in in the end we all know how liverpool screwed it up at sellers park cristanbul as we famously remember it and then chelsea were dominant in their title ring title win under jose mourinho leicester was obviously uh, uh, an out clear a miracle that happened which no one expected uh, tottenham t- fought till the end but we know how it ended eden hazard's beautiful curler at stamford bridge then there was the antonio conte's title win at chelsea where they were dominant after the loss against chelsea against arsenal at the emirates they won I think 13 games on on the trot in the Premier League just blew away everyone with their with the performance, with the consistency, and then last year Manchester City that was never a title race to begin with. Hundred points, Man, uh, United were ten points behind in December, and they ended up eventually being nineteen points behind Manchester City at eighty-one points. So this is uh, so it's good for the Premier League that finally a season has produced where three teams are challenging head to head for the title. Uh, only a difference of two points separate them. Arsenal are putting the pressure on at fourth spot. They are they are twenty two points. They obviously play Liverpool next weekend, which will obviously decide the course of this title race. And yeah, I'm really really excited for the rest of the games. And this this is like City conceding only three goals after ten games, and they have one of the best defenses in the league. And the last time it happened in two thousand and four and five, at Chelsea conceded only two in the opening games, and that was under Jose Mourinho. So this is a very, very, very competitive season we are looking forward to, and it's going to be an exciting one. Bringing it to you, bringing you the previews and reviews week in, week out. And ladies and gentlemen, that's it from the top three of the uh, Premier League. But we have to focus on the masala man. I love that word, man. I love that word. I. You know, I'm going to be speaking about it my entire life. The masala man, Jose Mourinho, he's giving me a lot of masala on my podcast. And to to everyone's surprise, not mine, of course, and obviously to the entire fan base, Man United beat Everton two one. And what in the blue hell was Pogba thinking with that run up? I mean, I've seen Usain Bolt sprint more faster than Paul Pog. What Paul Pogba did. And I think I almost went to bed, woke up, and Paul Pogba was still sprinting, was still jogging to the pre- penalty. So, Supratim, a quick glance, a quick run through what happened in the Manchester United versus Everton game. Just the goals, maybe. Yeah, uh, it didn't look like if Everton knew how Manchester United came into this fixture. They played with a bit of handbrake. Uh, Manchester United. Didn't have any trouble. I think winning that game, they were very comfortable in the first half. Pogba produced a really good performance. Obviously, he did that, he did that mistake which led to the first goal for Everton. But apart from that, I think Manchester United were pretty comfortable in the two-one win. Marshall scored a well-taken goal, similar to his second goal at Stamford Bridge. And I can't have the feeling that Everton, you know, since the game was at Sta- at Old Trafford, there was that there was that feeling lingering about the. About their heads, that maybe you know, Manchester United Old Trafford is a tough team to beat, which is in the case as many teams have, as Juventus did that against Everton against Manchester United, they completely dominated them. 
so i think this is a missed opportunity for everton to have got some points out of the game but overall the easy game for united and that brings me to anthony marshall i mean he's been one of the guys who's been scoring the beautiful goals not just goals beautiful goals that's a saving jose mourinho's job and he's been a revelation i mean you saw the goal against everton where the technique was similar to the one he scored the second at stamford bridge drifting in from the left and finishing in the top in their bottom right corner and that's just glorious because a talent like martial is one to reckon with and currently thankfully jose mourinho is using him the right way on the wings where he can cut in he can get thread the balls he can score goals he can score spectacular goals with that win against everton manchester united are still eighth with 17 points that's like a five points adrift the top four and they have the manchester derby coming up very very near it's very near it's very sure it's very near and from the manchester derby before the manchester derby manchester united have to figure out a lot of things because you can't go into the manchester derby that way and they have bournemouth away next week they have juventus in the champions league and then they have manchester city in the premier league so that's three tight games for them and now Manchester United Everton leads us to a quick discussion on Palace versus Arsenal 11 games in a row 11 wins in all competition and they drop points they drop points they draw they had a draw for the very first time under Unai Emery I mean after the two losses in the Premier League they drop points two points for the very first time the last time they drop points was in August against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge and if you could talk me through this game supro if you could talk me through this 2-2 draw where palace scored from the penalties what do you make of the game i think it has been a classic arsenal game this in against crystal palace where they didn't do much in the first half and completely changed the game in the second half i have to talk about scrodan mustafi though i mean what the hell was he doing in the box sliding koyate in front of the referee a sliding tackle I mean, if the even if the referee was with Hennessy inside inside Palace's box, he would have seen that and given a penalty. It was that bad. He just slided Koyate out of the box, and you can't do that. You just simply can't do that, especially being a senior defender in the squad, especially with the reputation that he came from Valencia about being a very consistent defender. And he goes and does that. Does that? It's it's embarrassing. And the and the and the thing is that there is a player in him, a very good player, a very good defender, and he has put good performances. Uh, if you go back to last season he he had a very solid performance against chelsea at stamford bridge in the nil nil draw in the premier league and then he does mistakes like this which are nothing but lapses in concentration and you know, sooner or later if he, he if he puts up with this if he cont- if he keeps continuing doing this sooner or later unai emery will drop him for socrates because holding was really good he was really good he kept he kept it tight he kept it compact and Obviously, Arsenal. If there's one thing Arsenal missed in this game, it was the natural left back. Jaka, he did well. He scored a spectacular free kick. But then again, he's not mobile. He's slow on the turn. He, that's not a trait of a fullback. You have to, a, a fullback. A modern day fullback has to be mobile. That's not what Jaka's game is. Jaka's game is in the midfield to bring to conduct the play, to conduct the play, to being a midfield general basically. And so the criticism on Jaka. giving away the penalty which was a dive by the way from Wilfred Zaha it was a clear dive he made a meal out of it and you know any other referee would have given that as well i feel 
so yeah and arsenal i think it's a good draw for arsenal because they didn't play that well but it brings an end to the winning streak also we have to consider the fact that arsenal played three games in six days monday night leicester then again then again sporting in portugal and then against crystal palace on sunday so obviously fatigue took a toll on them maybe unai emery could have kept mesut ozil and obameyang for a bit longer to, so that they could have might have scored the third goal and kill kill the game off but he didn't he went for danny welbeck to have more protection to for uh, during crystal palace set pieces as he mentioned that crystal palace put as many as nine men inside arsenal's box during the free kicks so he wanted someone tall like danny welbeck to defend it uh, sometimes his tactics work sometimes it doesn't so arsenal have a lot to learn from this game and they have to be well prepared against liverpool and what i make up of this game is that the fatigue naturally came into uh, picture they were obviously six days three games then going to palace palace pressing them high up front but one more thing that arsenal have to look forward to is turning up in the first half i mean they can't do that against sides like manchester city chelsea and liverpool whom they face next week so that's been a concern for unai emery his sides are very slow to start and with those half chances that palace had i mean they were like zaha could have scored he hit the post then you have townsend who could have buried that ball from saha that cross from saha that pull back from saha that looked like palace would have gone ahead and then you had chances at the other hand where lacazette a, a very good in form lacazette has to score that before bellerin taking a lot of time to see his shot blocked by the palace defense so that, that that these are chances that need to be taken if you have to win these games and you have to scuff them out because you are uh, against a side a crystal palace side who hasn't scored a goal at home and this was the first time palace scored and both of them were penalties and very rightly that you mentioned is quadran mustafi going off the basics you don't do that in front of the referee with both your feet off the ground yeah. and with kuyate's back turned against the wall it was insane it was not necessary i mean he could have applied pressure he could have made sure that kuyate went away from the box but it was completely shambolic it was not expected of a 35 million defender lord squadron mustafi and what uma emery has done was to tweak because of hector bellerin obviously limping off at half time he brought in stefan lestiner on the right and as you know arsenal turned up in the second half there was the thriller the thunder strike from zaka and then a cheeky till deft of touches from obameyang to get the ball over the line giving arsenal the lead and then that ball from lacazette where he just was in his own box in arsenal's box and then in palace's box sorry and then he just gives the ball away that leads to the counter that's unnecessary that's the second time he's done that after stamford bridge and mind you both of them have resulted in goals that's where arsenal need to think i mean and zaka is not a natural left back so unai emery was very quick to mention that once they have montreal or colasinac there zaka drifts back into the midfield and that's where zaka is you could see his presence missed in the midfield where he partners torreira there was no stability in the midfield gundozi is young he's feisty but he needs a few more years to get that in him to challenge so that's for about more about crystal palace that's about palace and arsenal and the other game very quickly is burnley versus chelsea four goals scored by chelsea and 
to highlight Ross Barkley, who was the man of the match there with his assists, with his goal, and that really, really, without Eden Hazard in the side, guided Chelsea to a rampant win over Burnley. He he was there. He was there, involved in everything. He was there for Morata's assist. He then scored the second, and then he made the third again. And right when Barkley signed for Chelsea, there were people going off, saying Barkley won't be make it to the starting eleven. But I think Maurizio Sarri has been wise enough to use him as a player, and he's again I use the word been a revelation at Chelsea. He's rejuvenated his career. People thought he goes to Chelsea, he is benched, but he's been one of those players who's found his form. I mean, he's. been so instrumental in the europa league as well helping out chelsea with the europa league and now in the premier league as well making his marks in the absence of eden hazard and that's what you do in your career when the main man's not there you step up and you make a name for yourself and that win over burnley puts chelsea clear of arsenal and spurs into third again just two points behind liverpool and manchester city So we are looking at a league which is very, very evenly poised at the top, with City and uh, Liverpool tied on points. City obviously ahead on the goal difference. Then you have Chelsea, who's lurking behind them, waiting for both of them to make mistakes and go ahead. You have Arsenal, who are still searching for answers, still searching for consistency, still searching for those first half performances. And then you have Tottenham, who. have a very very good manager but who have stadium woes and who have fatigued players who don't know what to do right now and that's a very very interesting edition of the premier league so that's about it from the premier league for us we have the el clasico review for you obviously a uh, heartfelt tribute to the leicester owner where we would from the panenka view every one of us and from the footballing community would like to again extend our prayers our support to the owner's family to the victims who lost their lives it's such an unfortunate incident and one that will be remembered for a very 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 long time before we go that's it napoli and roma were involved in a one all draw where dries mertens equalized for napoli in the dying moments and about psg versus marseille i think marseille and psg was an evenly contested half until mbappe was brought on from the bench where he scored a goal and then draxler obviously scoring in the 95th minute 2-0 so that gives psg another win 10 wins out of 10 the only team in europe to have won 10 wins 10 out of 10 and that puts them in prime position obviously for the league title with others struggling you know they have the depth you know they have the money and you know they have the consistency in the league that's all from another exciting episode of the panenka view i hope you enjoyed the reviews make sure that you look in the description below for all the descriptions what we on the topics that we have discussed i have got a lot of complaints saying that the podcasts are too long but my dear friends the podcasts have to be long because we dissect a lot of things we just can't wrap it up in 15 to 20 minutes and that is one of the reasons why we mentioned the description below the video so make sure you check it out make sure you subscribe to us make sure you like us make sure to show your love and support we thank you again for tuning in and don't forget 
the big one arsenal versus liverpool this weekend we bring you another exciting episode of the preview in a couple of days and we have a guest in the studio we keep that a secret well let it's it's a guy it's a liverpool guy and we might have a, a little bit of a banter between arsenal and liverpool in the next episode but make sure to tune in to the panenka view podcast that's all from the second episode